Sinova here on Pod. Welcome to Two Pats and a Pod uh, with myself, Patrick McCart Jr. Uh, and with me again today is Patrick McCart Sr. And we have a special guest also today. Hailing from Derry, uh, we have Garvin Downey, renowned journalist and author. Thank you very much for having me here. <laughs> Not at all. We're delighted to have you, actually, because I, I was getting to the point where I was I was listening to our two voices in the podcast, and I was thinking, this is getting a bit... We need somebody else here to mix it up. Um, so, as long as, as, as long as you listen to my guard feeding me, I'm No, so, you know, I suppose we're going to start off today. The, the, the topic du jour, the thing you can't get away from, is the coronavirus uh, it's been a big uh, story. Um, I, I suppose it's it's been a seismic shift in the landscape of of I suppose this this country and and the, the Europe in general, the world in general. Um, and you know the one thing I wanted to ask the two is about. And maybe I'll go to you first, Gavin, if that's all right. What do you think? I mean, to me, it seems. And I mean, to be fair, there's not a lot people can do about it, or you know, the government can do about it. But it seems absolutely insane that we have two jurisdictions, one just a couple of miles across the border from where we're sitting here, that have a completely different set of, I suppose, if you want to call it, emergency rules going on. And and uh, over here we have, you know, in the Republic, a completely different set of rules and standards and practices being adhered to. I mean, to me, I, I don't know. Are they going to have to try? Is somebody going to have to try and unify their response here? I think you're dead right, and that it is. It's a crazy uh, scenario, all right. I I have to say first and foremost, and I'm not an expert in any of this, mm-hmm. uh, but as a citizen, I I, I feel that uh, when the leader in Dublin announced that there was going to be a lockdown in in, in the island, I thought right, that's fair enough. He's a doctor. He knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. He's taking the advice of his officials, uh, and I have to say I was amazed and and, and, and flabbergasted. Uh, when the Northern Executive made a, a different decision because it, it, it strikes me that they were taking their uh, their information from, from Britain, which obviously has is giving different sources of information and, and they weren't, I suppose, uh, considering joined up thinking with the rest of the island. I think it was it was it was naive, it was political, it was a, a wee bit reactionary mm-hmm. and and because of that I think that we had this conflict it obviously led to Michelle O'Neill then uh, coming out and, and, and effectively changing Sinn Féin's position on the move, which was very strange actually because in Derry yesterday there was a council meeting prior to Michelle O'Neill's statement in which Sinn Féin were still saying no, 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 we, will, we should keep the, the council, we should keep the, the schools open and then an hour later uh, uh, Michelle O'Neill is saying no, no, we must close this, the schools so clearly they, they, they weren't quite ready for this, mm. I, I don't think. And saying that, I think you, you have to look at uh, uh, Veragher. He is knowledgeable in this area. It is great to have a leader who is who is knowledgeable in this area. And I, I think that ultimately none of these people are responsible for the coronavirus. So I don't I don't think it's fair in some ways to be to be blaming them. But if we're going to have a response, we're better having a, a coordinated response uh, across the island. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Paddy, and I was what Garvin saying very simply. Uh, if you look, uh, we're we're literally about six miles from the border. If you go down three miles, there's a school at Bridge End, and there's an. If you go another mile, I think there's a, a school on Grody, there's Grody Road. So one school's going to be closed, and the other one's going to be open. Like uh, as someone rightly pointed out, the coronavirus doesn't understand the, uh, the the concept of a political border, so it's going to go over and back, over and back, and over and back. Um, it seems that the British government are getting differ, different um, advice from the rest of Europe. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I was reading this morning, Sean Whelan on RT has a thing up uh, on uh, the web about uh, apparently it's all to do with timing. But 
I don't know. This is moving at a, a very, very fast pace. There's talk of the army coming on the streets and uh, lockdowns and all the rest of it, that we're basically, what, 10 days, two weeks behind Italy and all this sort of stuff. So this is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. And like when you talk about, what was it, Boris Johnson saying on, what was it, Thursday night, a lot of people are going to uh, lose people early in this life. You know, that was real cheerful sort of stuff. But as Garvin says, I think we're... Uh, I think the South is actually far uh, more sensible, and that's not um, partisan. I think uh, something needs to be done. This sort of laissez-faire, wait and see, I don't think that's working. The Chinese uh, took massively uh, undemocratic decisions, but it worked. Their uh, numbers are going down, and we need something similar. Like, it's about protecting everybody, mm-hmm. not, and we need to do something. This sort of thing. Like, Cheltenham, to me, was a disgrace. Yeah, you know, absolutely crazy. crazy. But the other thing as well is, the uh, Italian Ireland rugby match was called off, but they had about two and a half thousand people from Italy came to Ireland last weekend yeah. on, a, on, a, on a jolly because they had bought the tickets. The Irish government, they were coming from Italy, the most rabid place when it comes to this particular uh, virus. And they, they, they came over here, and I thought the Irish government should say, Sorry, this plane has been cancelled. Mm-hmm. You know, that was insane, in, in my opinion. but. Anyway, that's it. It seems, you know, everybody's been reactionary rather than pro, yeah. being proactive, yeah. uh, you know, up until this point. You're the follower of a young child, Paddy, what do you think? You know, the, I take solace in the fact, at the minute, all the evidence seems to suggest that it doesn't affect children. The children are just, you know, as they call, they call them vectors, they're, 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 they can transmit it, but it doesn't seem to, by and large, affect them. So, I mean, I, I take some solace in that, and that really helps you me. hope that's the case? Exactly. I mean, that's it. You don't know how this thing could potentially mutate or change. I mean, I, you know, I, I suppose I don't know as much about it. I suppose what I do worry about is, you know, obviously uh, having... A lot of people I know that, you know, have, I, I know a lot of people that have underlying conditions, uh, have friends who have uh, conditions, you don't know if, if one of them was to catch it, and, and you know, what could they potentially, you know, how serious could it get for them, you know, um, there's that worry, that, that side of it, but the one thing I'm, I'm hoping that I know today that uh, Leo Varadkar, I think Simon Coveney are actually heading into the north to talk to I don't know who they're meeting but I know it's to I think it's something to do with coordinating a response across the island I, and, I, and I hope that something is done there that uh, you know at least as it's done for the whole well the remember whole remember when there was a uh, foot and mouth there was an all island response which was different from Britain's but it worked foot and mouth didn't get in here so I think you know to have two different approaches on one island is a bit uh, stupid to put it mildly. I think you're right. I think that uh, it is worrying that there was such a negative response in the north to Leo Varadkar's remarks, almost yeah. as if mm. he wasn't qualified to speak yeah. for the island. Yeah. In fact, I can't think of anybody yeah, else who's been better, better qualified. Uh, yeah. He is a qualified medical doctor, which is more than a lot of other ones. You know? I see the Archbishop of Armagh has come out today as well and yeah. said that he believes the schools in the north should, should be closed, closed. Which, which is a very sensible yeah. thing. There's no yeah. point. Yeah. If you're closing the schools in the south and keeping the ones in the north open, yeah. you are just inviting yeah. Uh, yeah. contagion. Absolutely. 100%. You know, um, you know, we could talk about this all day, and, yeah. and I'm conscious of the people are going to be absolutely oversaturated with us. They're going to be second to death for listening to this. So, you know, I, I, I want to, you know, change tack and, and, and move on here, um, and we'll probably talk about this more in weeks and months to come. Yeah. But one of the things that's uh, very interesting, and, and we're delighted to have Garvin here today because you know we want to talk to Garvin. It's something that uh, it's very close to my heart as being a, a former student at McGee, and you know, I've, I've been uh, I was at Letterkenny IT for a number of years. I've done a bit of part-time lecture in the past. 
I sort of, uh, I'm very interested in the future of further education in the Northwest. And Garvin, um, obviously at the minute you're a running uh, for the Shannon. Uh, you're you're running on a platform of trying to build a cross-border university uh, and uh, for the Northwest. Um, could you tell us a bit about what you're doing and, and what you're sort of what you're trying to get going? Well, I, I suppose if I can start 60 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, that's what long this campaign has been going to try and establish an independent university in the Northwest. And we are getting tired of being told no that we're in some way that we're not worthy of this. Mm. Of course we are. If you take a look in Donegal alone at the number of students who leave this area every year, there's currently fifteen hundred students from Donegal in Galway. Then you've got more mm. in Dublin, Maynooth, and uh, and heaps more in mm. Belfast and a few in McGee as well. And uh, with the best one in the world, there are so many of these who are not coming back. Yeah. Then yeah. Uh, we are exporting our young people. The same is obviously true of Derry. Uh, if you look at the poverty maps and the deprivation maps of the Northwest, if you take, they actually don't have an all Ireland map. They have a, a northern map and they have a southern map. Mm-hmm. If you look at the northern map, the worst area is effectively from Derry along the border down as far as Durban. And in this uh, in the southern map, it is just Donegal. Donegal mm-hmm. is, 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 is almost, uh, it is black with poverty. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, well, what's the reason for this? Now, obviously, partition has, has been a a major factor, but the fact that we're not educating our young people and then we're not developing the industrial clusters around yeah, us, yeah. I mean, that's a major failing because if you look at the likes of Cork is hugely successful. The uh, third level institutes in Cork alone bring in half a billion pounds. That's before you added the student economy, which mm-hmm. is another half billion pounds on top of that. So that's one billion pounds in a, a university economy in Cork. Limericks is about uh, 300 million and then another 300 million on top of that, so about 600 million. Galway's about 350 million and another 350 million on top of that, so mm-hmm. it's 700 million. Sligo is about 60 million. Uh, Letter Kenny Dawes of some uh, through the IT, mm-hmm. it's, it's about 30 million a year generated by the, the, the IT college. Mm-hmm. Derry is none. Derry is effectively uh, not only have we got the fewest numbers of students in the island, but also we have got a situation where all that minuscule amount. Is controlled by Belfast, so we're not mm-hmm. even seeing those benefits. Yeah. So these are the reasons that, that, that we have said, look, it, it is essential that this issue is on the national agenda. We've been promised that 10 years ago that there would be 10,000 students in Derry. We were promised 10 years before that that there would be mm-hmm. an increase in the number of students in Derry, and it hasn't happened. So somebody has to step up now. We've got the interest of the Irish government. We've got the interest of the London government. Uh, what we are seeing is firm commitments and ultimately within the next 10 years, the establishment of this new university in Northwest Ireland under the auspices of the National University of Ireland, uh, as in we would be, uh, along with Galway, Cork, Dublin and Maynooth, we would be one of the main institutions. And Derry has an academic tradition, leading right back to Colin yeah. Kill. Yeah. Uh, so, but 100 years ago, we were part of the Royal University of Ireland, and now we're nothing. Yeah. We're the fourth priority campus of, of a Belfast University, and it's not good enough. Yeah. We have to stand up and say, Hold on a minute, it is our turn now. We want to stimulate recovery, we want to stimulate the economy in the border regions, and importantly, and it's very important, we want to deliver equality because Derry and Donegal haven't had that from a Good Friday Agreement, and it's time it happens now. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that, that's uh, uh, when you look at it, I, I, when I was editor of the journal, I remember somewhere in about the 1980s, and I think it might have been the Round Three Foundation, they did a survey of poverty in Britain, and they did the top 10 words, and as far as I remember, Derry figured in three, uh, I think Straban might have been, uh, I think D- 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 Gallia 
in Derry might have been number one. I think there 80% unemployment there. Uh, Strabane, I think, might have been number two. And the Bogside area was number three. Anyway, but three or four of the top ten were in Northern Ireland. That's the first thing. Study after study of disposable income in the Republic of Ireland shows Donegal has the lowest uh, disposable income in the entire country. So there, put the two together, Derry, Donegal. And by the way, the partition, as Garwins have pointed out, has... The natural hinterland of Derry is Donegal mm-hmm. and, and vice versa. People in any show don't think Larry Kenny or they don't think Bondoran or Sligo, they think Derry. Yeah. And in fact, they're, you know, the, the, the correlation between the two peoples is unbelievable. Right, you move on very quickly. There should be a corridor between Larry Kenny and Derry. It's a natural corridor as well. Um, it's only 20 minutes. It's only 20 minutes. And it, um, as I think the people in Derry, there's serious amount of talent there, a lot of young people. All that could be harnessed very, very easily into a standalone university. We need real development here. Our young people, the number of people, if you go down to any shown, and, uh, which is where we're actually in at the minute, every family has somebody in Australia or England, and, all, and it's been going on and on and on, and that has got to change. And see all the slip service between Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, and the only thing, uh, I'm excluding Sinn Féin because they haven't been in government yet, but they keep saying, uh, eat horse and you will love type thing. It's not happening. Mm-hmm. It's not happening. Our kids are emigrating still. The poverty level, uh, levels are still here with us and all the rest. Things have got to change. And what, what Garvin is actually doing, it's about time somebody done it. Just to pick you up on one point, Pat, well, Sinn Féin have been in government in the north. Yeah. And they haven't delivered it in Derry in the north either. Sorry. Nor did the SDLP. Yeah. Not, I, I wouldn't single out. Ultimately... Yeah. Uh, this is a hangover from the, the unionist domination of Stormont, well, but, but the nationalists have not come on board and, and rectified yeah. the damage. That, that's what I was going to ask. And I mean, this is a very obvious Should question and, and a, a, probably a stupid question, but uh, you know, how much is, how much has politics played a role? You know, you talk about across the ban, how much has politics played a role and what has gone on in Derry in terms of the lack of, of support for a university? There's a book I would urge everybody to read called Derry Countdown to Disaster, published by Gillan McMillan in 1986, written by Frank Curran, that's predecessor as editor of the Derry Journal, mm. and it catalogues point by point by point Stormont's not just failure to deliver in Derry, but actual discrimination mm. against Derry from the closures of the naval yards to the closures of the railway stations. Do you know there were, there were five different rail yards in Derry in the 1920s, five different rail lanes as well, going all over Donegal, the whole mm. way down to Sligo. Now we literally have one track to Belfast, yeah. uh, and that was deliberate policy. All the money was invested east of the ban into new developments, like the great new city, Craig Gavin, which mm-hmm. just fell apart, <laughs> rather than do Derry. The uh, university, which should have come co- to Derry, went to the Coleraine. So it was dictated by politics, but there was no correction. We've had so many opportunities to correct the damage that's been done, and then there's generational damage that has been done to the Northwest, and yet nobody has stepped forward and said, post Good Friday Agreement, we need to tackle Derry now in a serious way. There was the city of culture, yes. There were some school developments, yes, but there wasn't that concerted plan, concerted plan that is needed to actually deliver Derry and money all together because, as Pat said, they are one and the same. We don't see the border here at all. Mm-hmm. We're, we're in and out all the time. Uh, I, I work in Derry, but I would say... I, I know off the top of my head about six of my co-office workers are in and out from Donegal. Mm, it's, yeah. it's seamless now. It and, is. And that's the way it should be. Yeah. Uh, and we are, but we are both losing out because, and it is politics, uh, with the best will in the world, the Belfast party, the political, the, 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 the main political parties in the North are now Belfast-based. Mm-hmm. They support the establishment of Queen's. They support UU being centred in Belfast. 
there was always a turf war going on in North Belfast between the parties uh, for control there. And so when a, a, an investment like University of Ulster comes along, they'll say, put it in uh, North Belfast That's rather than Derry, because in Derry it doesn't matter to, to uh, except they simply in the SDLP. So they're not concerned, but whereas uh, in Belfast it is, uh, it's a vote winner for them. Mm, and yeah. So uh, because of that, we don't think that we're getting service even from the nationalists in the north. Mm. Uh, and they're just, uh, the Greater Belfast Lobby, I think as yeah. Pat has described it, yeah. uh, has sewn things up for itself. Which is why we actually need Dublin to get involved. Dublin made commitments in New Decade, New, <coughs> New Decade. Yeah. They yeah. actually came out and said there will be 10,000 students in place. Literally, within a space of a month, we're being told by Stormont, we haven't got the money, we yeah. can't do that, let's yeah. move on, let's finish Belfast. Yeah. And I said, hold on a minute, no, no, we've done this before, we've been through this before, it is actually time for you to deliver, and we're holding Dublin to, yeah. to account to say, you promised us this, you've talked about it, you put it in your election literature, or your election speeches, or what have you, no, come forward, help us. Yeah. And so, bring me to the next question, how, how, how are you going to do it? How are we going <coughs> to get saying, this university? I think, probably, uh, what will happen is, is that uh, University of Ulster is under terrible pressure mm -hmm. financially and also its capacity is at bursting point. It is currently trying to develop a new campus in North Belfast. It clearly doesn't have the capacity to deliver in Belfast and Derry simultaneously. We are arguing that the University of Ulster should be broken up into its component parts, mm -hmm. that McGee should be returned to the Northwest so mm -hmm. they can partner with other counties to develop a proper full-size university. And importantly, the 10,000 students that are promised under the maximum mm. student numbers or, or Mazen cap that University of Ulster currently holds will be given to the new university to deliver it there. Mm. That's part one. We've also talked to London about money. And, and, and there is an issue here of restitution and rest, reparation, which London must address and also Stormont must address because Stormont has been responsible for so much injustice in there. So they're going to have to look at that. We're looking at the European Union and we're talking to American colleges as well. So. Uh, we're working literally night and day on this project to try and, and, and pull it off. But Gervin, some of the academics are suggesting, and I have a personal experience, of nobody wants to come to Derry. I think that is actually beyond disingenuous. I actually think it's bordering on something much more evil than that. Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing, if you have a campus that's been downgraded non-stop, that is not prestigious for, there's no attraction to come to a place like that. Whereas if you have a, a vibrant uh, campus where people, um, there's 10,000 students and it's got a great name, you're going to attract, uh, you know, uh, uh, to quote Patty from earlier on, if you build it, they will come, mm -hmm. you know. But if you're, if, if, if the whole um, atmosphere is one of uh, uh, depression and sort of that the things are not working properly and it's going down the hill, like people just don't want to come there. But so if, they, if, if, if there was investment, if there were the courses, in fact, by the way, when you think back on it, there were some good courses, and they've all been shifted to Belfast. How does under under God does that happen? Uh, the loss of Encore, I think, was very telling. Uh, that the John Hume Chair in Peace Studies is now in Belfast. Yeah, uh, and the Temple Needle, uh, you know, you know, it was it was uh, Temple Needle. His forefathers came from Bunkrana. He wanted it in the whole idea of this, and now it's in Belfast. And the peace process as well, you know, Pat, was delivered through Derry. It, yes. was, it, it couldn't have happened without no, the process took place here. Yeah, absolutely. But the thing I would go to as well is this sort of argument that nobody wants to come to Derry. Derry is a, a large city, what, 120,000 people, is it? Roughly, yeah, roughly. Yeah, no, yeah. It's vibrant, uh, got a vibrant it's culture. It's a city, absolutely. Great pubs, great restaurants, great nightlife. If they can do it in We're not Cork, talking about a black hole. Galway, yeah. They can do it in Derry. No. That, that, that argument is beyond ridiculous. If 
a small city like Galway, I think Galway's smaller than oh, Derry. Oh, it's a 50, yeah, and Derry. But Derry's got, as Gervin earlier pointed out, there's a history here going back to St. Colin Kill of education of uh, you know, people. If you go out at night, Derry is um, one of the most artistic places you can ever go. And if you go out with 10 Derry people, five or six of them can play an instrument. At least eight of them can sing, and the other two can probably do a recitation. But there's that. <laughs> They'll collect the money at the door. <laughs> collect the money at the door. But look at their fe- fish, the London Dairy Fish, or Fish Dairy Conkill. There's seven, eight thousand people taking part in it, piano, singing, dancing. The history here of culture and all the rest of it goes back. And like it's only school in Ireland, I think, or in the world maybe, where there's two Nobel Prize winners in Columns. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Yeah. And the third one's Ramilton as well, Billy uh, Campbell. Billy Campbell. Yeah. So don't insult people it's by a, it's saying. It's a completely that, disingenuous argument. Absolutely. It's, 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 you know. it's, it's people making excuses for their own prejudices and their yeah. own feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I hear it, I think, well, hold on a minute. Everything that Derry gets, I, I, I predict within university terms, that was good, was taken out of the city yeah. and put elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, anything that makes money is taken out and put elsewhere, which is why it has to be autonomous, ultimately, yeah. because you couldn't imagine Cork running Galway's University or Limerick running Galway's University. No, no. and Belfast, but Belfast seemed to believe, because it is the bigger city that it is a right yeah. uh, to, to dictate. Actually, it doesn't. Derry has been around a lot longer. And also, I mean, the, the, the links it has with, with, with Donegal. They should, and by rights, we, we, we should be celebrating these everywhere. Colin yeah. Kill, 1500 years mm. uh, since his birth mm. um, next year. Right. Next year. A perfect opportunity mm. to have a land. There there's actually your, uh, uh, yeah. uh, well, not a prototype, but there's the, the sort of the template for uh, Derry Donegal. The man was born in Donegal and uh, spent his life uh, until he moved to Iona and, and Derry. So the natu- uh, there's the proof of the natural sort of. Uh, Relationship between Derry and Donegal, and actually at that time Derry was still or Derry was still in Donegal yeah. because there was there was a, there was no border there until no. the, the, the colonisation in the right. So that's a that's a that's pretty that's a pretty interesting point. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I suppose um I, the, the one thing before we we we'll we'll move, we'll move on in a second, but I just wanted to bring up one more point, yeah. and it was an interesting thing. And I'm not sure actually. I, I seen it on Twitter. I'm not sure if you shared it, Gavin, but. I, I think it went. It goes to show the sort of institutional bias, right, that, that goes on there. It was, I think, um, it was a breakdown of all the sort of visits for foreign direct investment that occurred in Belfast, and it showed basically every single company that came to look at Northern Ireland as an investment opportunity were brought to Belfast. There was a, a minute amount went to Derry. More than two hundred to Belfast and, and six to the north. I mean, uh, how, how do they justify that? Uh, I don't think they can, and I, I don't think they're able to. I, th- I think that they are being exposed more and more regularly. 20 years ago, they might have got away with it. Now, I think people are more astute. I think there is a... a, a, a what we are hampered by a little bit now is there is a determination to try and forgive and make the executive work properly in Belfast. Mm. And because of that, I don't think there's enough scrutiny. And I think that that was evident yesterday, even with the RHA report, which effectively let everybody off with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think so. Honestly, uh, talk about punches being pulled. That is that is the RHA thing, but I mean, that's a matter for a different day. You couldn't it, imagine that happening in the private sector you no. or in any other sector. Heads would rule. Heads would rule. But um, no, that, listen, that was fascinating. And Gavin, just want to wish you all the best of luck you uh, with, with, with your campaign. And when when is the election? Yeah, yeah, yeah. election's ongoing. It started at the start of March, and it, uh, let's 
have to be in by the 31st of March. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, best, best of luck with it. Yeah. Um, uh, moving on, just quickly, uh, I know uh, our, our listeners uh, have had a few requests that we we, we, we talk again about uh, about the landscape of the of politics and, oh, and the Republic yeah. and, and where things are going. Hey, I mean, what's going to... I mean, are we going to go have fun, Gail, Fianna Fáil, again? The, the the, uh, well, I think that what's going to happen here is... The, the, and the national interests, of course, not in their own interests. You know, they're, they're so selfless type people. Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are probably going to get together. And, like, the, they're saying it's in the national interest and the now because of coronavirus or COVID-19. Like, this, it was always going to happen that they were going to get together. They knew uh, uh, fully that there was no way Sinn Féin could have the numbers. Absolute. Even if they're dependent on independence, if you'll pardon that. Um, you're going from people on the right, like Michael Lowry and what, Matty McGrath, and then switching over to uh, the left wing, and you've got your Healy Rays. There was no, it was such a, uh, there was too many working parts for for the left ever. So, And there was two big blocks, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, and they, all they did was, well, we're leaving it to Sinn Féin to put together a government, knowing full well that it was basically impossible. And then, of course, this hypocrisy that and the national interests were coming together. And they're, they're coming together in the national interests to um, hold on to power for their own parties. And it's <laughs> as simple as that. You know, by the way, I give, I keep giving Sinn Féin a buy ball and all this because they haven't been in government in the South yet. Uh, they could be brilliant in, uh, in government. They could be absolute crap. I don't know. But the point is, it's very cynical what Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are doing. It's totally cynical. Uh, Sinn Féin easily got the most first preference votes by some considerable distance. And I think it's a wee bit arrogant of these parties saying we're not going to talk to are the votes of the people who voted Sinn Féin, a lot of them first-time Sinn Féin voters, and people who voted who want change, are, are some way the Fianna Fáil people and Fianna Gael people saying, oh, your votes are of lesser uh, meaning or importance or whatever than, than the people who voted uh, for our party? I think it's a wee bit arrogant. And I think, stood up, I think they might actually pay a price for it down the line because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are sort of saying, wait a minute, this is not what we voted for. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, it just seems like it's going to be more of the same. I, I actually think... People want change and it's not going to happen. You know, uh, Pascal Donoghue was on the radio the last day and I heard him and, you know, they sort of put it to him that, you know, about that argument that people want change. And he almost... I thought to myself, are you mad? He, he almost dismissed it out of hand, you know? And I thought to myself, have you, are you not seeing the signals here? Like, are you not seeing what's, what people want, what's coming? You know, if, if, I mean, if, if there's another election, uh, if, if it was to come to that, probably not going to come to that, but if it was, I think they would suffer really badly first. It concerns me greatly that there is a very dismissive attitude mm. towards Sinn Féin and the left in general right. uh, in, in, in the South, and it always has done, because yeah. it, it, it made it very hard for, you know, uh, I suppose equality to be delivered yeah, across yeah. the island, and, and the same people who would insist that... Uh, Sinn Féin would go into the DU, uh, government with the DUP and, uh, and despite strong enmities at the mm. time would then turn around and say oh, we won't go into government yeah, with you yeah. and uh, mm. sort of you know you must go and do X, Y and Z and, and yet we will not uh, do that ourselves so there, there, there's, there is a strong sense of hypocrisy in, and saying that I think that a national government at this stage is probably and I'm just putting on maybe my, my, my old sort of newspaper head for this it's probably the most likely outcome because it is in some ways, it's necessary. Sinn Féin can't deliver a stable enough government no, at this no stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's probably the only valid option. Yeah. And there is a need for government at this stage. There really is. And it, it's, it's uh, uh, given not just the, the, the coronavirus problem, but also the likes of the health and housing crisis must be 
tackled. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so because of that, I, I do think it, you're you're looking at a kind of a kind of gain in the greens and that uh, somewhere uh, somewhere down the track. Yeah, yeah. though it mightn't stick. I no, but I presume the greens aren't going. Uh, the greens have sort of made it clear they're not going to be taken for granted. As they, but, as but they were I, before. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I presume. Uh, um, the, the parties will start talking to the various independents and if they can get over the line at all you know what is it uh, 160 80 seats 81 seats maybe uh, they yeah. have if they have the greens they have it yeah, they, 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 yeah the i think they've got an, uh, they've got the numbers then but isn't it going to be an, a very fragile coalition you know whatever whatever makeup they manage to cobble together it's going to be very very fragile well if finafoil finagail and the greens get together it won't be fragile because they have the numbers and if they agree a policy uh, for government they can say right three budget four budgets whatever it is and you know it should it should be stable enough mm-hmm. if they agree a, um, a program for government you know but uh, the last time somebody says uh, the green party fun gale on bicycles Terry Murray says you know the worst thing about politics is events dear boys yeah, events. Uh, you never know what's going to happen yeah, yeah, then, exactly then um, I think that was it was Harden McMillan I was I was the guy who came out with that you know his case was the perfume affair uh, one week he said he turned around and said to people you've never had it so good and then and um, everything was going brilliantly and then within a couple of weeks events mm-hmm. perfume and uh, the war cabinet and whatever through the whole thing well it's a, a very apt in these times we're living in strange times at the minute uh, you know I mean uh, I suppose playing devil's advocate maybe you could argue that Fungal and Finnafal have a responsibility right now to get a functioning government up and running. Oh, that's that. Well, that's what they're saying, and uh, I know, know that's what they're saying. But uh, in terms uh, of yeah, you know, but I don't. I, I it's the cynical thing uh, that I, I think most people. Uh, they, they were. It was always going to be. They, you need two big blocks because nobody's got a clear cut, and it was obvious from day one. And I either had to be uh, Fianna Fáil and Sinn Féin, Fianna Fáil and uh, Fine Gael, Fine Gael and Sinn Féin. It had to be two of those big blocks. That was the only way it was, it was ever, you were ever going to get a government. And then when uh, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil said they weren't going to deal, do a deal with Sinn Féin, it was clear from the start that, you know, what what the, uh, the logical outcome of that was. So, you know, but well, I have to say, just back to your point there, I have to say I found it whatever about Fine Gael, I found it very strange that Fianna Fáil couldn't countenance talks with Sinn Féin. Well, mm-hmm. uh, you, uh, to quote uh, a, f- a friend, uh, Jude Collins, Michael, uh, Michael Martin's analysis of the whole Northern situation is basically a unionist perspective. <laughs> uh, there's no doubt about that. His attitude towards um, all things in the North uh, and his, uh, his uh, deliberations and his uh, uh, comments reflect almost entirely a unionist perspective. And I find that on for, the, for the so-called Republican, Republican Party, Party yes. absolutely. Uh, he has actually become much, much more right-wing in regard to the Republican movement than Leo Varadkar. I think again that that, that that presents the worry that there is a tendency to, to dismiss that left argument. It renders it almost invalid, and it's it's something that I think Finnafoy would need to be very, very careful oh, yeah, along, yeah, absolutely, the, along absolutely. the long run. Yeah. Well, you know what, guys, we're coming up. Well, we're just had 30, 30 minutes, and I think that's sort of that's sort of right. the sweet spot. But before yeah. we go, before we go, <laughs> Liverpool are going to be given the, the Premier League title, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, I think we can all agree on that. Well, yeah, well, they're what twenty five points clear, so uh, I can't see 
well, morally, I, I don't know whether officially they're going to get it. I, I don't know. Uh, this isn't the league suspended, but they're twenty-five points uh, clear with how many games left? Seven. Uh, something like that. I yeah, seven or eight games. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I don't think they even if they if they lost every one of them, I think they nearly still uh, they would still won the league. Pat, that's, that's great coming from a closet Man United fan like yourself. <laughs> I was about to say, as God, a Manchester United fan. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like it. But uh, listen, uh, I think that we'll, we'll call it a day at that. Garvin, thanks very much for coming in. Really appreciate it. Um, it was really fascinating to, to talk to you. And, and again, best of luck going forward. Um, I, I hopefully, we'll try and do an hour podcast in the coming, I would say we'll try and do something in the next yeah, couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah. Uh, you know, geez, if we're allowed out of the house. But uh, until then, guys, thanks very much for listening. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again. Bye. Thank you.